and just be able to read through your word and talk through your word a little bit. And so I pray that you'd bless our, our, our time over the next few minutes. I pray that you would help us to seek you with our whole hearts um, and we would desire you more than anything. And so Jesus' name, amen. So today, today what I want to, to, to try and do is I, is I want to make just simply three observations from the text of, of how the gospel has changed everything. Um, three ways the gospel has specifically changed everything for us and in us and through us. And so, 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 and so here's the first thing that we see in this passage. We see that the gospel gives us peace. The gospel gives us peace. The, <clears throat> we see um, here in... Um, in, in, in this passage in, in different places that, uh, that the gospel is what gives us peace. You, you have these two different groups here um, and, and the, the church is no different. It is comprised of both Jews and Gentiles. And so if you want to know what a Gentile is, um, a Gentile is a non-Jew. And so if you are not um, culturally, um, if you didn't um, grow up ethnically a Jew, you are considered um, in scripture a Gentile. So I am a Gentile. Um, um, you would, uh, and you would probably also be a Gentile, and so God has brought these two groups together. Um, his, um, if you if you look to, to trace some of this uh, this lineage back, you can go back and you can go all the way back to Genesis chapter uh, 12, and really we see the Jewish uh, lineage really begin there as God's chosen people, um, and so. And so what, what, what Paul is now saying is that the church, that God's chosen people are no longer just the Jews. It is now comprised of every single person who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That the Jews and Gentiles um, historically were complete opposites. They were hostile in relationship with one another, that, that they did not get along very well. Um, they, 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 they lived different religious lives. They lived different cultural lives. Um, they were apart from one another, and racially there was incredible divisions amongst them. Um, the Jews sort of had this arrogant pride as God's chosen people that, that they thought, hey, here's where I'm going to be. I mean, this is what we see Paul saying in verse 11. He says, the Jews were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. This is the, the pridefulness that existed within the Jewish people, especially during um, Paul's time of writing this. Um, and, and, and the Jews just considered all Gentiles as outsiders, um, as outsiders. The, and yet, despite these incredible divisions that existed between Jews and Gentiles, despite the disdain that there were for one another culturally, Jesus came and he died for all. Jesus came and he died for all so that everyone everywhere might be reconciled to right relationship with him. And in so doing, these verses tell us that in Christ, he formed a new people from these two groups. And this is what the church is. This is the church. It is a, it is a new group of people that has been formed together in and through Jesus' accomplished work on the cross. It is through Jesus that the church exists. The church is God's people. And it is comprised of an incredible diversity. 
It is diverse ethnically, it is diverse um, culturally, it is diverse um, socioeconomically, it is incredibly diverse in all of its, its ways. And, 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 and when we look at the local church, the local church um, is, is also diverse, but the local church should reflect the community it lives in. Um, and so, so we, uh, we live in, a, in, in the foothills of Colorado, and um, statistically, we are a 99% Caucasian uh, community. Like, that's just statistically. Um, and so, so we are not going to be, um, there's just not going to be a lot of different ethnicities that gather here because, because the, 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 that just doesn't exist where we live. And so we, we want to reflect our culture, though. And so we do, though, have a, a, a diversity of socioeconomic differences, of, of cultural differences, of people who grew up here in Colorado, people who grew up in other places in the, 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 the United States. And, and so we come together, though, no matter our backgrounds, we come together and we worship the same Jesus because we have been brought together by him we have been formed by him as a new people as the church and so with this in mind we, we need to just begin to ask the question we need to begin to ask the question how do we view people through a gospel lens how do we view people through a gospel lens and so the first thing that, that, that we have that we have to understand is is that no one is too far nobody is too far and nobody is without need Nobody is too far and nobody is without need. Nobody is too far for the gospel to reach them. Nobody is too far away from God's grace that they can't possibly be loved by God. And no one is without the need of God's grace. And this is what we see happening here in these verses. Look in verse 11, that this is who the Gentiles used to be considered. They were considered outsiders. They were considered outsiders. They were called uncircumcised heathens. They were considered uncircumcised heathens, that, that they were living apart from Jesus. Um, they were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. They didn't know God and his covenant promises. They, they lived in this world without God. They lived in this world without God and without eternal hope. They lived in this world without God and without eternal hope. It also tells us that, that they were once far away from God, that they were far from God. And, and, and so, so these are just some of the descriptors that Paul is using to remind them, hey, hey, just as, as Gentiles, this is who you were once considered, that, that, that you were once far from God. And so here's what I know is that, that, that sometimes in a local context of a church, that, that sometimes the church, instead of being the most welcoming place, can be the, some of the, one of the most judgmental places. And, and, and we want to guard ourselves against that. That it doesn't matter what someone's background is. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it doesn't matter what they come into this room with, with struggling with. That we have to be a place of of, of love. That we have to be a place of grace, and that there is no one that is ever too far for God's grace to reach. That there is no one outside of His, uh, outside of His reach. That, that we can never be too far from God to be welcomed into the family of God. And this is what we see Paul saying, that, that, that there's no one that's ever too far gone. The second thing here is, is, is that there's no one without need of God's grace. That, that sometimes, sometimes we can, we can look at people and we can see their moral uprightness. 
We can see people who are morally, um, they're just good at being good people, um, if I can say it that way. They are morally upright, and yet their morality does not save them. You are not saved by being a good person. You are saved by the grace of Jesus through what he has accomplished on the cross. And so, so we, there's nobody that is outside of the need of God's grace. It doesn't matter how good of a person you may be. It doesn't matter how, how, how well you may carry yourself, how, how well put together your life is, that it is not morality that saves you. It is faith in Jesus that saves you. And so we have to view people as, and view ourselves in this light, that, the, that we are never too far gone from God's grace, and we are never without need of God's grace. And so we view ourselves and we view others through this gospel lens. The, the, the second thing that we have to view people through the gospel lens is that people are never the enemy. People are never our enemy. This is, this is what we see playing out here in this passage, that the, the, the Jews who, if you were to go back into the Old Testament and look at actually what God had called them to do, they were, they were called to be a people, to be a light to the nations. Um, they, they were to, to be a place where, where all nations could come and see, experience, and worship who God is and what he was like. But instead of viewing them that, they viewed themselves as, more, as superior. And, and they, I mean, this is why Jesus, when Jesus goes into the temple and he tosses the temple tables, he does this because they are conducting uh, these sales in the court of the Gentiles, preventing the Gentiles from being able to come in and see and experience and know and worship God. And so, so they, they viewed the Gentiles as their enemy rather than people that they were to demonstrate the grace of God too. And so we must understand that we never see people as our enemy. We never see people as our enemy because here's what scripture tells us. It tells us that, that even while we were God's enemy, Christ came for us. That, that even while we were hostile to God, God loved us. And he came for us. And now we do this for others as we, God has done this for us. That, 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 that peace with God is possible through Jesus. And now peace with one another is, is possible. That, that, that we get to love one another like family. And I, and I, think, I think that this is a shift that has to take place in our thinking. That the people are never our enemy. It is never us versus them. Like, 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 listen, there are different people in this world that hold to different beliefs and values that are very contrary to yours and mine. That, that, that their, their life looks different than yours. You, what they stand for, um, what they believe in, and how they choose to live their life may be vastly different than yours. How they vote, like all of these things may look different than yours. And it's possible because they live very different lives, they vote a different way, they believe different things that we can actually create in our minds an us versus them mentality. And let's be very clear that we only have one true enemy. And his name is Satan. And, what, and if someone's life is so contrary to yours and to mine, 
If their life is so contrary to yours and mine, they are not your enemy. They are captive to the one true enemy. And so what we must, and so, so we have to view people not as our enemy, but, but as people that we need to demonstrate the love of Jesus to. We, we, we need to pray for, the, for, for people that, that, that we're tempted to think are our enemy. We, we need to move forward by God's grace towards the, 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 the people that, that we may view this way. This is what, when the gospel has taken deep root in our heart, this is how it begins to produce our view of people. It's the, the gospel demands that we view people not as our enemy, but as people who need rescued from the one true enemy. And this is hard. This is not natural for us. This isn't something that, that, that we naturally drift towards. Um, we, we, like I, I think COVID showed us this a lot. Like, like you, I, I just think in, in there was all sorts of different microcosms when, when COVID hit. That, that there were people who were like anti-mask and there were people like, no, you gotta wear the mask. And, 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 and there were people um, uh, that, that were very politically divided. Um, that, that, that all of the, the political divides really came to the surface during that time. And, and everybody seemed to be mad at everybody about something. And I, and I think that, that as, as followers of Jesus, so, so, on, on, a, on a public national scale, that we lost a lot of credibility during that time. Because we started viewing people as our enemy, that we needed to fight against, that we needed to rail against on our Facebook posts. That, that, that we needed to argue against instead of seeing them as people we needed to love and be gracious and kind towards. You see, the gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit, begins to produce that kind of attitude towards others. I mean, this is what Paul is talking about when we talked about it a couple weeks ago in chapter 1. In verse 19, he says, I pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. That, that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in those of us who would believe in order to help us live lives that reflect him well. I mean, I think, I, think one of the, I think one of the primary factors when we start looking at our faith, I think one of the things that, that we begin to look at and see and understand, how do you know if you're growing in your faith or not? How, how do we know if, 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 if we are actually growing in that, in our relationship with Jesus? I think one of the primary ways we can measure that is are we growing in love? Are we growing in love? And, and not love for self, but, but love for others. You see, love always requires others. And when love isn't projected on others and it's projected rather onto ourself, it collapses inward. Like a black hole of desire for self. And this is why the gospel is such good news for us. That we no longer have to spend our time, our energy, and love on ourself to prove that we are lovable. That, that, that we, we, we can actually rest in the truth and the reality that God has already declared you fully loved, fully accepted. That, that, that in Jesus, we 
are fully loved, that we don't have to prove to him or to anyone that we are lovable. That God has already declared us lovable by the sending of his son to die for us on the cross. John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved. How did he demonstrate his love? He gave his only son. This is the, the, the beautiful reality of the gospel. This is, this is how we know we're growing in our faith, is if we're growing in our love for others. This is, this is our calling. This is our, our role in the world that God has placed us, that, that, that through our love for, 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 for one another and our love for those that may not yet be part of the family, it's in our love for others that we demonstrate the tangible reality of who God is. And, and here's, what I, here's what, I, what I know. I know that the enemy will do everything he can to distract you from this. To deceive you into believing that you need to fight against someone rather than Satan himself. That, that he will get us to settle for, for fighting the person in front of us or the person that's supposed to be beside us and he will distract us and deceive us into believing this. And yet what we see in this passage is that it doesn't matter your past, that we are now been brought together in Jesus that we are one, that we are one. Like, I, if I can just, like, this week for me, to be honest, this, is, this has been, um, this has just kind of confronted me in, in, in some of my own attitudes and, and heart towards uh, just, just a situation that, that I've been, been walking through and, I, and I've been dealing with for, for a little over a month now. And, and I've just, I found myself um, almost on a daily basis having an argument with someone in my mind that, that may not actually be reality on how they feel, but, 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 it, is, but it has distracted me and, and, and it's kept me um, uh, struggling against this person in my mind rather than, in, rather than, than going to this person and talking to them and, and working through this with them. And I was, as I was working through this passage this week, I was just confronted with this reality and I, and I, and I was convicted. And I, and I just had to confess this to the Lord and, and just ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness how I, how I was viewing this person and, and how, um, how I had been um, really, really just wrestling in my heart and mind with it. And I had to just go before the Lord and lay it before him and say, God, I, I don't want to have this argument in my mind anymore. God, God I, I don't want to view this person in this way anymore because the reality is, is that they are not my enemy. They are not actually against me. We may have differing opinions on, on, on certain things, but, 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 but we are for the same thing, the advancement of the gospel to everyone everywhere. And so, so today, I, I think for some of us, you, you may have that person in your life. You may have that situation in your life right now where, where you, are, you are fighting and waging war against someone in your mind. It may not even be in reality. And I would just say, begin today by, 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 by laying that down at Jesus' feet. 
Don't let that burden you anymore. Because here's the, the here's what I'm learning. That, that that affects you more than it affects that other person. That we have to move towards others in, in love, that we have to move towards others in forgiveness. And forgiveness doesn't always, um, doesn't always mean immediate reconciliation, just so you know. I think sometimes you have to forgive someone before you can be reconciled to someone. And so we have to move towards others, even those that are difficult, even those that are challenging, even those that, um, that, 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 that we have to wrestle with. And so we have to move towards people because people are not our enemy. And my challenge, I guess, in a real practical way, begin praying for God's grace and love on that person and blessing in their life this week. If, the, if, you, if you have someone like that in your life, begin praying for their good. Don't, don't pray that God would, you know, smite them or something like that, right? Like, we, we don't want to pray that, but, but we do want to just pray that God's hand of blessing and grace and love would be on their life. And if they can't experience that through you, maybe they can experience that through another believer somewhere else this week. And I think we can just begin praying. And I think when we pray for people, our hearts soften towards them. And so the gospel gives us peace. It gives us peace with God, and it gives us peace with one another. So now we can be one in him. Here's the second thing the gospel gives us. The gospel gives us identity. The gospel gives us identity. The gospel ultimately answers the question, who am I? Who am I? When I was in uh, middle school, this was a question that I really wrestled with and I was trying to, was trying to navigate, who am I, right? Like, like who am I? Where, where do, where do, what's my identity? Where, where do I fit in? Where do I fit in? And I, and I tried lots of different ways to do that. I, I remember um, at one point in time, um, I got really into like break dancing. Um, I was trying to be part of the break dance, you know, crew that was around my school. You know, I had a piece of cardboard with me most places, you know, and I, I, would, I would break a, break something if I tried to do any of that now, and I was never any good at it, but um, I, I was trying to fit in, right? And, and I think you can go to most middle school, high schools, and you can see um, uh, different versions of this. You can, like, like I remember, like, there was the, there was the jock crowd, right? Like, that, that's where they wanted to fit in. That's where they wanted to identify. Um, there was the, the, the nerds. There was the, um, the cool nerds, right? Like, there's those people that are just really smart, but they're also really cool, um, and I just didn't fit in any of those groups very well, but, um, but, but you can look and you can begin to see these different places that people are trying to find their purpose and their identity. And when we come to faith in Jesus through the gospel, we have a clear answer to who am I? Who am I? Look with me in verse 19 and 20. He says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You are members of God's family. You see, in the gospel, we have been given new citizenship and a new family. Think about it this way. When we are born, when we are born, we um, derive everything about who we are from who our parents are for better or for worse, right? Like, like if, our, if our parents are, um, um, if our parents are, 
are, are, are on drugs, then, then that's going to shape who we are as, as, um, as, as, as newborns. It is, uh, if our parents are incredibly wealthy, that, that's going to shape who we are as newborns. If our parents, um, whatever social circles our parents run in, whatever uh, economic status they have, whatever uh, city or part of the country they live in, all of these things play into our identity as, as newborns. That everything is derived from our parents and in our family. And in the same way, when we are adopted into the family of God, when, when we put our faith in Jesus, that we've been adopted into his family, and now our identity is no longer wrapped up in who we once were. Our identity is now completely tied into who God is. That our identity is him. That, that, that what's his is now ours. That, that what's true of him is now true of us. And everything about who we are is now rooted and grounded in the reality of this truth. That, that God is our heavenly father. He's our heavenly father. We've been adopted into his family and we, our identity has been transformed because of Jesus. And so we have this new identity. We have this new identity. We also have a, 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 new, um, a new way of, of orienting our lives. We, we have a new way of orienting our lives. Like, like you look here in verse 20 with me. Here's what it says. It says, together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. And so here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, our identity as a church, as individual followers, all of it is wrapped up completely. All of it is wrapped up completely in Jesus and his word. All of it is wrapped up in Jesus and his word. And so, so the foundation of our identity, the foundation of our hope is in God's word. It's in God's word. This is what he means by, by the apostles and the prophets. Most of the New Testament was still being compiled and put together. And so, so God had given uh, apostles like Paul and Peter and James uh, the, the uh, inspired uh, authority to write down his word. This is what, we, this is what Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That, that, that God's word is foundational for the life of every believer. It is foundational for the life of every believer, that it guides us into all of life. That, 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 we, that, it, has been, uh, it, that it has been inspired, it has been breathed out by God. That his word is, is holy, it is without error. And so, so it, our final authority in life is God's word. That we come back to it over and over and over again and we stand firm on this foundation of God's word of the apostles and the prophets and what God inspired them to write to us. And so we stand firm on this truth. 
The second thing that we know our identity is, is, is that the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself, that now because of the gospel, we have radically, we've been called to radically reorient our lives around the person of Jesus. That Jesus is the cornerstone of our lives. And so what's the cornerstone? Well, the cornerstone was the principal stone usually placed in the corner of a building that would guide the course for the rest of construction. Only after the cornerstone was placed would then the rest of the building be able to be built because everything else in the building would be measured and based off of how that cornerstone was placed. If the cornerstone was placed poorly, then the building would not come together as planned and it would um, most likely have to be restarted. And what Paul is saying here that Christ is our cornerstone is that everything in the life of the church, in the life of the individual follower of Jesus is to be radically reoriented around the person of Jesus. That means here at Grace Hills that everything we do is we always want to be proclaiming Jesus. We always want to be proclaiming Jesus in everything we do. So, so when we get up to teach God's word, we want to point people to Jesus. When, we, when, when our kids gather um, for kids ministry, we want to point kids to Jesus. Whenever we, uh, whenever we do uh, things like trunk or treat, we do these other events, ultimately these things are meant to point people to Jesus because we believe that everything in our lives, everything in our church must be centered and oriented around who he is because if it's not, we're not gonna last very long as a church. If we expect to be a church 40, 50 years from now, it has to be all about Jesus. And we must come back to this over and over and over again, that Jesus is not just part of our life. Jesus is now the point and passion of our life. When I was a kid, we, um, we, we used these bracelets. Um, they said WWJD on them. Um, they were real cheesy, but everybody loved them. Um, and, and, and it stood for what would Jesus do? And, and, and the point of the bracelet, as cheesy as they may have been or whatever, the, the point of the bracelet was to help the individual think through every decision that they're making. Hey, what would Jesus do in this moment? And help the individuals pause and, and think, okay, how do I orient my life around Jesus in this situation? In, in whatever it is. And, and, and so, so I think we bring back the WWJD bracelets for sure. Um, but, but, but this is the idea here. That we would radically reorient our lives around the person of Jesus. That the church must be. And the individual must be growing in this. Like, like I, don't, I don't think we just, we get saved and then everything in our life is automatically oriented around Jesus. I think it's, it's a process. And, and I think that that's something that we have to remember in the church a lot of times is that our faith journey is a process and, and it's about progress over perfection. It, it's, it's never about being perfect. It's never about having everything all put together. It is about growing in our, growing in that every single day becoming more and more like Jesus every day, pursuing to know him and walk with him more and more every day. So the gospel gives us identity. When we radically reorient our life around Jesus, when we build our lives on the foundation of scripture. And then the last thing, the gospel not only gives us peace and the gospel not only gives us identity, but the gospel gives us belonging. The gospel answers the question, where do I belong? Where do I belong? 
because of Jesus and our lives being built around him, we can now answer this question with beyond a shadow of a doubt that we as followers of Jesus belong with God and his people. That, 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 that it is being with the church. That, that this is a place of belonging. That this is where God wants me to fit in. That these are my people that I can rely on, that I can lean on. That, that, that it, like, uh, scripture talks a lot about um, bearing one another's burdens and carrying one another's burdens. The church is to be that. That, that we would care for one another and we would love one another in such a way that all the world would take notice and they would be able to see, hey, I want, I want to be part of that. That no matter, no matter who the person or the people no matter what, what, what the person's past is, that there is secure identity and there is secure belonging with faith in Jesus. With faith in Jesus. Now, does this mean, does this mean that we don't love people outside of here? And we don't um, help people to feel welcome, and 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 make sure uh, and make sure that that, that they uh, have an opportunity to experience belonging. Of course not. That that's not what we're saying. That we strive to love everyone in a way because we don't know who's going to be part of the family. We don't know who's going to put their faith in Jesus. We we don't know how someone is going to respond to the good news of Jesus. We don't know, and so we create a space here in this building, and when we gather together, where every single person can feel like they belong, can feel like they are accepted, can feel like they, 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 they should be here. And as they are here, we pray and we ask the Lord of heaven that he would open their hearts and minds to the truth and the reality of who he is in the gospel and that they would put their faith in him. That as they see the, the people of God belonging to one another, that they would desire to be a part of that. That they would desire to be a part of that that they would see what they're maybe missing out on in life and see that they could be here. Because here's the reality. Sometimes people have to feel like they belong before they can believe. Sometimes people have to feel like they belong before they believe. And so we want to help people feel like they belong. Now, that doesn't mean we're gonna compromise on scripture or we're gonna compromise on truth. No, we're gonna, we're gonna teach that with boldness and by God's grace. But, but, but at the same time, we're going to love people and we're gonna be kind to people and we're gonna be gracious to people. And we're gonna say, hey, we, we want you here. We want you to be here with us. We desire that for you. So we have to be a place where people outside can feel like they belong because Jesus made a way for us to belong. Because the gospel gives us peace. The gospel gives us identity. The gospel gives us belonging. And ultimately the gospel changes everything. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we just pray and we ask that this would be a place where, where everyone everywhere could experience the peace that has come to us through the good news of Jesus. That everyone could experience new identity in you. 
that everyone could experience belonging in you. We pray, Lord, that you would form that and you would mold that and you would make that possible. Jesus, we need you. We pray for an awakening in the foothills. That we would see every man, woman, child be able to encounter the reality of who you are. And I pray that they would respond in faith when they do. Jesus, help us, protect us on the roads today. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Um, we'll, we should be making a decision probably around uh, noon, uh, whether we'll be doing trunk or treat tonight or not. Um, but I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll uh, see you later. Have a good one.